And the feature that was in Clarity Money that got me to invest in it, that got me all excited, that got me to go run down to Soho to meet with Adam Dell, who's Michael Dell's brother, and it's, hey, dude, you got to let me put a check into this company because this is the coolest thing ever, is they came up with a feature where you put in your credit cards and you put in your checking and it would show you instantly what you were paying for monthly, all your subscription fees, and it would summarize them. And then it would have an unsubscribe button. And I was like, oh my God, this is, I call this the double latte factor. Welcome back to Mostly Money. I'm your host, Preet Banerjee. And on the show today, we're going to hear from one of the most famous names in personal finance, David Bach is one of the most trusted financial experts and best-selling financial authors of our time. He has written nine consecutive New York Times bestsellers with over 7 million copies in print, including two number one New York Times bestsellers, The Automatic Millionaire and Start Late, Finish Rich. In addition to his books, David has impacted millions of people over the past two decades through his seminars, speeches, newsletters, and thousands of media appearances. He's also the co-founder of AE Wealth Management and the founder of Finish Rich Media, a website dedicated to revolutionizing the way people learn about money. You can learn more at www.davidbach.com. His latest book is The Latte Factor, Why You Don't Need to Be Rich to Live Rich. And you can visit his website on the book at www.thelattefactor.com. We weren't able to get our schedules to jive so that I could record David in person, but I did have the pleasure of speaking to him remotely from his apartment in New York City, and here is our conversation. David, welcome to the show. That's super good to be with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, let's, let's roll right into it. Um, the latte factor. What is this latte factor that you speak of? <laughs> Well, I took the latte. I know you're in Canada right now. You're in Toronto, and I'm sitting here in New York City. You know, we took the latte factor metaphor all across Canada, um, and it is a metaphor I've been teaching now for over 20 years. Um, it's a way to realize that you're richer than you think. It's a way to teach the miracle of compound interest. Um, and and if I were to just make it super simple, it's this. Small amounts of money completely change your life. And you don't have to be rich to be an investor. When you talk to people and you, and you ask them, why are you not saving? Like, what's the number one reason that people across America and, and Canada are not saving, not investing in, you know, in Canada, not using their RSP account, or in the US, not using their 401k plan? The number one reason people will tell you, especially young people, is I don't have the money. I don't. I can't save anything. And and then and and when you when you break it down, you go really. You, you can't save five dollars a day. Well, like, are you sure? Because because a lot of times they're holding a latte when they say that. So, you know, years ago I was teaching an investment class, and I literally had a young woman named Kim say to me after a four week class, she couldn't use her four one k plan at the Gap because she was living paycheck to paycheck, but she was holding literally like a double fat latte from Starbucks. And so, you know, I went up to a blackboard and I started going through her expenses literally just to convince her that we could find five to $10 a day. And in doing that, she had her aha moment because what we showed her was like, look, 
you work at the Gap. The Gap's got a 401k plan. It's got a matching program. And if we can get you saved five, just $5 a day, but, and you're in your 20s, by the time you reach retirement with compound interest, we ran the calculation, we showed her 10%, she'd have over $900,000, $941,000 to be exact. And then she's like, well, that's not a million dollars, right? Like, I, I, I thought you said I could be a millionaire. And we said, okay, can you save $10 a day? So we started you know, growing the math and showed her $10 a day. $10 a day, we showed her she'd have over $1.8 million. And that wasn't even including her company match. So the Latte Factory became born as a way to teach people. You, you, you're probably richer than you think. You, right. And, and I think one of the things, you know, that people lose sight of um, is that the latte factor is a metaphor. And they, right? they totally Everyone is. has different lattes. <laughs> Everyone has different lattes. And, it, and a lot of people, by the way, do not want to give up their coffee. I just did this, <laughs> I just did this show at, uh, called a, at AOL Build. This is really super new, cool millennial focused show online like the view and i'm like guys i get it you don't want to give up your coffees that's cool even though i know you can make coffee at home for like 20 cents which is kind of what i do every day it's about coming up with the money it could it could just be like not eating lunch out every day making your lunch at home mm-hmm. um it, it could be not having two drinks having one drink at night it's, it's 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 making you realize you've got the money it could be canceling some some of the subscription fees that you're paying for what I know is you need to find the money in order to save and invest. And the, the thing, I really wrote this book to reach young people. It's why it's a parable and it's why it's a story. This, the book, The Latte Factor, is like this little book you can read in about an hour. My 15-year-old son just read it. And I really wrote this book to empower everything from teenagers to college students to millennials to Generation Z and Generation Y to go like, there's 100 million of you here in the U.S. alone. And if we can just, if I can teach you how to get excited about investing and realize that if you pay yourself first in your 20s, you can be super rich. Um, what I'm hoping is to, to reach more people that maybe would never read a financial book. And, you know, it's amazing. We've had, I don't, I know you got a lot of questions for me, but I'll just tell you, we've, the book just came out. It's already an instant, like number one bestseller in Canada. I was just on Amazon. It's like number one on all the financial uh different channels on in Canada, like on Amazon CA and it's also crushing it in the U S and one of the cool things we did is we got a couple thousand people on what we call an insider team Uh to get the book in advance of it coming out. We put the book in their hands as a, as a galley and as an ebook and we had them read it and then just like, how, how do you like it? What's it doing for you? And what's been happening because we're getting all these incredible success stories quickly is it's motivating people who, e- who either weren't saving and now they're already signing up for their 401k plan or they were saving, but they were only saving 7% or 8%. And now what they've done, and like one person just posted, you know what, David, I was saving 7% and now I've gone up to 10. And I'm going to make it a goal to get to 14% by the end of the year. And because it's small steps. So I mean, I got to tell you, like, I'm just teaching what should have been taught in school already. <laughs> but, like, this should have just been taught to you by the time you got out of 12th grade, and then there would be no need for this book. But the fact is 98% of people don't know the basics of personal, uh, personal financial planning. No, you're absolutely right. And what's really interesting about this book, and I think it's a common theme with your books, uh, you know, you sell so many books. Personal finance can be dry. There's a lot of books out there that really get into the nitty gritty and can be like reading a textbook. But as you said, yours is more, it's parable. And it's a really interesting, engaging story about uh, a barista 
uh, kind of like this mysterious figure that enters this young woman's life and he becomes this guru to her and not only money, but just also in the way that she thinks about life and what she wants to achieve out of life. So you're right. It's, it's a quick read. I, I read it in a couple hours in one sitting, which is something I normally don't do with books. I usually have to take a few sessions, but it's a compelling, engaging read. And I think because the target market is so large, there's a large reason for um, you know why your books are so widely read and sold. Like the, the number of copies that you sell is unbelievable. So let I wanted to ask you about the characters in the book. Are these composites of people that you know, or are these actual real individuals? Um, I like that question. Um, let me ask you a question before I answer that one for a second, because I, sure. I love the fact that you read the book. Um, and I, I think I started off talking about the money because we went to the latte factory, but this book is about so much more than money. Yeah. This book is about going for your dreams and realizing you need to take risk. And, and almost going on a spiritual journey of like looking into your soul and figuring out what you really want for your life. What, what did you, what did you, when you read the book, what did it do for you? Like did you have a moment where you thought about your life or thought about things besides money when you read it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. There was a couple of uh, points. Um, towards the end, when you um, talked about your own personal story, um, I think it's your grandmother's name was Rose. Yeah. That really connected with me. So my own personal story, uh, which I actually don't talk about much on my own podcast, but about 12 years ago, I was ill to the point where I legitimately thought I was going to die. And since that time, my perspective on what I wanted to get out of life, the work-life balance, was a lot different than the people around me. And so a lot of the things that you write about in the book resonated with me because that's how I kind of viewed things. When you have everything that could possibly be taken away from you, your perspective on what you value is completely different. And so I've always looked you know, ahead and think in the future, when I look back, what are the things that I'm going to be most proud of? What are the things that I like spending my time and money on? And why don't I just do that now? <sighs> and so, and that was one of the core messages in your book. You know, when you talked about Zoe and her, her pursuit in, I don't want to give too much away in the book, but of her love of photography and that photo that she was so fixated on and what that meant to the to the barista like it all came together it's like it was a really well-written book and it, it made me wonder like you're a personal finance guy but really you're, you're you're a great writer in general so you know kudos to you on writing a really engaging personal finance book well you know what you really just said is actually the core of the book which is that it's about living rich yeah the, the, the whole core message in this book is to live rich now and, and there's, so there's so many characters in this book that take Zoe. So Zoe Daniels is this 27 year old millennial living here in New York and she lives in Brooklyn and she 
she basically takes, she comes to work every day. She takes the subway station. She comes out the Freedom Tower. And after six years in New York, she's super stressed out, like, which is so typical living in a big city. Like she's, she's worked really hard for six years. She's made more money. She's had a successful career. She actually has her dream career. She's, she works for a, um, a major publisher, which in my mind was, you know, Condé Nast in the Freedom Tower. She works for a travel magazine. But ironically, she doesn't travel. She's been working for six years. She doesn't even have a passport. And she's also broke. She's living paycheck to paycheck. And, and what's happening to her is happening to so many people across America and Canada, more probably the U.S. than Canada. Um, she's losing hope because she's just working paycheck to paycheck. She doesn't see, she's starting to wonder if there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like she's doing everything she thought she's supposed to do, but she's not getting ahead. And the first person she talks about this with is her boss, a woman named Barbara, which interestingly enough, you know, she, Barbara's actually the first mentor and, you know, Barbara's a composition of many of my clients that when I was at a financial advisor, many of my clients were like these millionaires next door that you just never would have expected had, were wealthy the way they were. They had, they looked ordinary. And she looks, you know, in the book, she looks ordinary, right? Like Zoe's super hip and she's a millennial and she's cool. And Barbara's, she even gets described as like, she doesn't call Barbara frumpy, but she's like not as stylish as she is, right? And I don't want to give the whole book away either, but she just doesn't know really a lot about Barbara's situation financially, personally. And Barbara, Mm -hmm. when she tells Barbara about her financial challenges, Barbara tells her, you should go talk to this guy, Henry, at this coffee shop. She called Helena's and she's like, Helena's that, like, that's where I, cause that's where she goes to have coffee. And she's like, Oh yeah, you should talk to Henry. She's like, why? Like Henry's the guy who works the coffee shop. Oh, I talk to him. And so she goes and meets Henry and, and Henry's also a composition of some of my clients that I've had in the past. And, and, you know, Henry ends up being this very wise sage older man. Again, she has no idea. She just thinks he's a guy who's, you know, works the coffee shop, but, um, Henry ends up teaching her some amazing life lessons about, first of all, he talks to her about her dreams. Like in the book, he doesn't start off just talking about money. He starts talking to her about her values and what's really important to her. And he takes her on a journey of realizing that she's richer than she thinks and starts to teach her like compound interest. And, um, and, and so there's all these life lessons in the book. And he gives her specifically three, what they call three secrets to financial freedom. And those three secrets of financial freedom, in my opinion, having done this for 26 years and grown up in financial services, these are basically the three core principles that everybody needs to know. So he teaches them to her. And um, then there's people that are her friends. Like, you know, there's a, there's a friend of hers who's a total critic. Yeah, and, that was the upstairs neighbor, uh, Nicholas or something? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and her, and her, and the funny thing is her friend is like all these friends that we often have, you know, everybody's got a friend that is like the dream stealer, right? <laughs> One that, you know, she, that you get all excited about something. And then of course we always bring it to that person first. It's weird, but we do a lot of times. And sometimes that's even our, our relatives. Right. And so she actually gets these great life lessons from Henry and a few other people. She starts to get super motivated. Like maybe there is hope for her. She starts to learn about the miracle of compound interest and paying herself first. And then she brings it to this friend of hers and her, and this friend just rains on her parade and tells her, none of this is going to work. You can't make 10% in the stock market. That's impossible. You can't 401k plans. They're not any good. They don't work. 
And he just tells her that none of the things that she's just learned from, by the way, from people who happen to be very wealthy, she doesn't know that at the time. He tells her all the reasons why they won't work. Now he's broke, by the way, right? right? Which is so typical. It's always the poor person telling you why these great ideas that could actually make you wealthy won't work. So, you know, I just, having done this for so long, I've heard all the reasons why things won't work. And so, but we had to share that too, right? Because we did, I don't want this to be, I know that, when you, when, you, when you learn something for the first time and it seems too good to be true, your brain also goes, well, wait a minute, how can this be? Like when you look at the compound interest charts in the back of the book, I put, it, I put in the back of the book my favorite charts on money. And, and you know, it's kind of cool. I'm talking probably too much here. Feel free to chime in at any second. Um, my son, Jack, is 15 years old and he's never read any of my, any of my books. So I've got 12 books out before this one. They all sit by his bed. And, and I, I, you know, as he's getting older, I'm like, you have to read my books. Yeah, dad, I'll get around. I'm not, and he's not going to read them, right? Mm-hmm. This book, he read it cover to cover. Really? Yeah, and he read it cover to cover on a plane flight. And, and, and that's why I wrote this book, so that people who would never read a financial book. They, so he started the book, and within less than two hours, he finished it. He turned to me and he goes, wow, dad, this is a really good book. Actually, he goes, this is a really good story which is right. what it is, right? It's a story. And then he goes, so this chart in the back of the book, this $2,000 chart here, which is the chart that changed my life. It's a chart that shows you the power of saving $2,000 a year starting at the age of 19, which is $5.41. And if, if you see the chart, it shows you saving it from 19 to 26 and never saving another dollar and how that could be worth over $1 million by 65. He goes, dad, I'm 15 you need to make a new chart that shows what would happen at 15. And he goes, but it would be worth over $2 million, right? Like he's already figured out compound interest now. He's like, so we have to get me, he goes, we have to get me one of these IRA accounts. How do I get one? Right. Like he asked, he asked three major questions instantly. How do I get one? Cause I can save, he said, cause I can save $5 and 41 cents a day how does this whole tax thing work? I don't understand. Why is the government not taxing me? I re-explained it to him because it's in a, an IRA account. Okay. And, and how do I make 10% again? Right. Like, you know, even though I read the book, like, Oh, we'll put it in a mutual fund for you. Okay. All right. So let's go do that. So that was like, wow. Right. He's 15. Second thing I said to him is what was the most important lesson you took away from the book? And he goes, you know, dad, at the end of the book, when I don't want to give the whole story away, but there's also a and a and you talked about my grandmother. He goes, that part about your grandmother, because there's a part of a story about my grandmother, how she gave me these life lessons on her deathbed. Mm-hmm. And the life lessons were basically to take risk. And she, he said to me, I, I realize like the whole secret to your success, but more importantly, like my life is going to be, I'm going to need to take risk. Like when I come to these forks in a road, I'm going to need to take the chance. And we're about to leave to move to Florence, Italy for a year after this book. So the book's coming out. I'm touring across America. And then we're moving to Florence, Italy in July and taking a one-year sabbatical with my family, which is like a, like a dream, like a life dream. And there's risk involved with life dreams. And he, we gave him a choice. And he had to choose to want to come because he likes his school and he could have stayed where he was and, and, and missed out on Florence. And he chose to come. And he said to me, you know, that was my first chance to have an opportunity to take it, make a decision or that involves risk. And I think if I hadn't made the decision to come to Italy, 
I would look back for the rest of my life with regret. And I was right. like, whoa. All right. So he just got two big lessons at the age of 15. <laughs> and, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. One of the, one of the characters um, that's in the book that represents that, you know, the naysayer. Yeah. Um, I think this is, so my audience is probably more towards the intermediate side. And they'll be the ones that will sort of say, you know, 10% is a bit too high. Um, and it kind of echoes a lot of what that upstairs neighbor would say. And, you know, over the years, as I realized that if you want to reach more and more people, you have to focus on the big picture things, right? It's, it's the 20% of the things that we do that are going to generate the 80% of the results. And I think for the market that you're looking at, it makes sense to, you know, to take that inspirational tone. It's like, listen, here are the steps to how you do it and what, what's possible. But the whole thing is that you have to have those good habits. And part of what I think people get will get out of this book is that you exchange the habits that are just habits. Like if you don't truly enjoy a latte, but it just becomes, it's something that you do on your way to work. And then when you're on your coffee break with your employee, uh, your colleagues, you go and you get another coffee and a muffin. All these little things add up. And it can be way more than five bucks per day. The core message for people is that you have to actually put money away and think about what is truly important to you. And, and I know that people will get caught up in like, oh, the, the after-tax rate of return and stuff like that. But what, what kind of pushback have you gotten from actual clients uh, about stuff like that? Like, what are the things that actually are the determinants of wealth down the road. So here, these are such good questions. And I, and I, by the way, I respect and understand that you do have a, a, m- a more sophisticated maybe listener than the average person. And, you know, I'm a co-founder of a registered investment advisory firm with $7 billion in our management. We have a lot of sophisticated clients. And at the end yeah. of the day, when you look at how the bulk of our clients became self-made millionaires or just, they're not all millionaires, right? Like a lot of people across America and Canada retire with way less than a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, that's another big myth is that you need millions of dollars to retire. Like we have a lot of clients who retire with a quarter of a million or half a million. And that also probably is because they have no debt and they have a pension plan and they have social security. So first of all, you know, there's people saying, Oh, you need $5 million to retire. And that's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, it's just absurd. Um, so the most important thing I can tell you, cause it's like, how do you apply this in your own life so that it matters? the most important thing that helps people become financially secure and ultimately financially free. The first thing is the the percentage of their income that they pay themselves first. So the most important lesson in this book that Henry teaches Zoe is you need to save one hour a day of your income. One hour a day of your income has got to come right off the top every single day and go into a retirement account. We're, and the, ra- the reality is this book transit all, all over the world, right? Because people are like, well, I don't have a 401k plan. I have a TS, you know, I have an RSP plan or I have this. It doesn't matter, right? It's everybody across the world has got retirement plans. Yeah. The key is that you need to take one hour a day of your income. And, and the percentage of your income that that comes out to is 12.5% of your gross income. Now, that's the starting point. The truth is that the real magic formula is a little bit more. Like when you look in the US, and I talk about this a lot, the largest 401k provider in the United States is Fidelity. They have 16 million people in their 401k plan. They have 20,000 employers. And they track in their plans who have become 401k millionaires. And I've worked with a lot of these people, right? Because they become clients. People, you know, my clients are the ordinary person who's be- back in the day when I was a financial advisor. Like when I wrote the Automatic Millionaire book, 
my clients were just ordinary people who became millionaires. How they became millionaires is exactly what Fidelity's statistics and stats show. They became millionaires and Fidelity's research, it's 14% of your gross income. The average person who's got a 401k plan who became a millionaire in Fidelity's plans, and they call them the 401k millionaire, they saved 14% of their gross income. They did it for 30 years. And by 59, they were a millionaire. And they also were 75% stock and 25% bonds. So their portfolio was like a little bit more growth focused than a balanced portfolio, but they didn't do it by having their money in cash or CDs or government bonds. They had to have stocks in it too. Mm-hmm. So the, I guess, you know, again, the most important lesson is your, is your savings rate. And, and, and I can tell you this, if you're saving 5% of your income, you're just never going to have financial security. So, so the first rate that matters is what are you actually saving and investing? That's number one. The second rate, that, and this is exactly what Henry teaches Zoe. You've got to get your financial life together and you've got to start by being financially selfish and you have to pay yourself first one hour a day of your income. Then he shows her what the money could be worth. He starts with 10%, but then he runs different numbers. Like literally in the book, she goes runs the numbers. Oh, at 10%, she actually calculates saving $30 a day because she realizes that she can. And she runs the numbers and it's nearly $4 million at 10%. Then she's like, okay, but that might be too high. What could it be at 7%? And it drops the number in half. And then she's like, what could it be if it's only 5%? And mm-hmm. it drops it down to nearly you know, like a million dollars. And then she's like, God, that's still a lot of money. Right now I'm on track to have zero. So you, know, you can go run your own numbers. Like If you don't like the rate of return at 10% and you're not going to go put the money all in the stock market, which I'm not even telling you to do, and you think, you know, I can't earn 10%, I can only earn 7% then guess what? You need to save more money. Yeah. And, 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 I think, and I think that chart that's in the back of the book and the skepticism of the upstairs neighbor is important uh, because, again, a, a lot of people would question the 10%, but you show, well, here's what it is at five. And again, really the lesson is you got to save and you got to do it for a long time. That's, that's the important part. All the other stuff is not as important, I would say, as the savings rate, as you, as you mentioned. I teach timeless principles that I believe in that have, and I haven't changed my investment philosophy for my entire career through all my books. Well, you know, the one thing that um, I've noticed and other writers that I talk to have noticed um, is that when you're blogging, producing content on personal finance, at some point you run up into a wall where it's like, there's nothing new to talk about. Nothing ever really changes at the end of the day in terms of the take home advice. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, and that is that your your target market is younger people, uh, Gen Z, Gen Y, uh, and Gen X, I guess. Now, a lot of this market is going towards so-called robo-advisors. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I have questions about with robo-advisors is that it presumes that you know how much you need to save. So people will say, oh, yeah, I've got a couple hundred bucks left over. Let me use this. Uh, robo advisor to invest my money. And that number may not be enough um, when it comes to how much they need to save. The, as it stands right now, I'm sure this will change with technology and improvements and AI and all that, where uh, the service will say, well, you need to save more than that in order to hit your goals and, and try to push them to save more. But what about when market volatility hits? So, you know, when we talk about rates of returns that are available in the market and the rates of returns that 
investors get on average, there's usually a bit of a disconnect or a behavioral drag because when markets are going down, people freak out and they sell. And only after markets go up do they say, oh, it looks like the market was actually a great place to be and now I'll buy. And they're always buying high and selling low. They're kind of doing the opposite of what they're supposed to do. So with this market that you're going after, is there any advice that you have for them about, okay, once you've gotten on the train of you need to save a significant amount of your money, what do you do to be able to make sure that you maximize the returns that you can get? What are the, the ways that they shoot themselves in the foot or things that they can do to avoid that? Well, so it's so interesting because I'm not worried about what you're worried about. I'll tell you why. So, so by the way, millions of millennials, young people are using these robo-advisors. It's, the, the good news is that millennials are actually super smart. And they're more on top of their finances than maybe any generation we've ever seen. They've been forced to be on top of it because of student mm -hmm. debt and college debt. And robo-advisors and these new apps and the way the world is changing is making investing accessible to everybody. You can invest your pennies. You can invest your change now. Mm -hmm. uh, an example of a company that does is that I'm an investor in called Acorns. Yep. Acorns, the moment Acorns basically launched, I ran out and said, I, you guys, you have to let me invest in this company. Like, this is the latte factor made automatic. Like, oh my God, like, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I think of this? But Acorns thought of it. And so I invested in this company, you know, three years ago. And Acorns has now opened up 5 million accounts. And you have people saving $50 a month, $100 a month, $200 a month that weren't saving before. Mm -hmm. And I taught a, I've taught two classes on a, an online course place called Create It Live. So two years ago, I, I taught a course on Create It Live called Start Late, Finish Rich. It's one of the most popular courses ever taught now online. 32,000 people have gone through it. Two people that were in that class that were working on the class, one was a guy named John. He was the, the photo guy, the, the uh, camera guy. He came up. To, I, so I just taught a new class called the Latte Factor Masterclass, How to Retire Early. Taught it last week. It's on my website at davidbach.com. You can go take this class. The cameraman comes up to me at the end of the class. He's like, you know, I opened up an account with Acorns when you were here last time because it, it sounded so easy. He goes, check this out. He opens up the app. He's got $18,000 in savings. He goes, look at that. I've got $18,400. He's like, can you believe it? He goes, I would have never had this money. <laughs> and he goes, and I increased my 401k plan. He's like, but because it was running automated, mm -hmm. I just did it. Now, another person who was the host she actually shared what she had done. She also had opened up an Acorns account. And she did this thing called roll-ups. It's where you roll up your change. So if you spend like $3.50, you can have Acorns take your change and round it up yep. and then move it into an investment account. So she showed, she opened her app up and she's like, I've had 1,100 roll-ups and I've put $20 a month away on top of that. And so she had like $1,350 in savings which was awesome too, right? Like she was totally excited about that. So um, these new apps are helping people a lot. And I think it's great. What I'm worried about is that a lot of millennials aren't doing something as simple and easy as that. What they're doing is they're buying stuff like Bitcoin. Right. And rip, you know, all these different cryptocurrencies. Like, you know, a year ago, every millennial I was talking to had was putting their money in a cryptocurrency. Now they're not talking about today. And what's sad about it is that what's happening to a lot of young people is they're getting sucked in by the banner ads, quite frankly, on Yahoo. Well, they're not even on Yahoo. It's on Instagram. It's on right. Facebook. And so, you know, every 10 years, there's something that sucks people in and takes their money. And, you know, 
yes, blockchain is going to be a, a technology that may change everything someday on how money moves. But the fact that young people are putting their money into in this thing called cryptocurrency, <laughs> it's just and, and sad because they're losing it. Now they're they're like, oh, well, I heard I just got to hold on to it, and you know, it's like the stock market will come back. No. For a lot of these cryptocurrencies, they'll never come back. There's nothing being built. There's no usable tool there. You know, Warren Buffett talked about, you know, calling this stuff rat poisoning. Um, <laughs> you know, you buy Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola has a bad day, a bad year. It, it comes back. McDonald's comes back. The markets come back. You put your money in something that's just a gamble and it often doesn't come back. And so people are putting, a lot of young people, but people in general, in an effort to get rich fast, stay broke forever because they're constantly putting their money into stuff that's really actually high risky and they don't realize it's high risk. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you interested in small businesses? My name is David C. Barnett and I've been podcasting and producing YouTube videos about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses for almost 10 years I'm a former business broker and have owned and operated several businesses, and I've been advising business owners since the 1990s. Each week, I create a new podcast, which answers one of your questions, and I've always got amazing, exciting guests. You can find me on YouTube by going to smallbusinessanddealmakingpodcast.com, or just search David Barnett's Small Business in any podcasting app to find me. I look forward to seeing you around. I think... Um... This kind of ties back to your theme about how you teach the fundamentals. And I really like how you say, you know, every 10 years, there's, there's something new that makes people think, oh, this is different. I need to get in on this. But it's the timeless sort of advice that is, works so well for people. It's not necessarily the sexiest stuff, but if you just implement these habits and use these time-tested strategies, people are going to do pretty well. Um, one of the uh, aspects that you talked about, you know, with millennials and these uh, these apps like Acorns and what like that, one of the things that makes paying yourself first so powerful is because it becomes automatic and it's kind of like going to the gym. You know, you sign up and you have to exert effort in order to see continual improvement and see your muscles get bigger. But with making things automatic, you just have to go and sign up and it kind of happens overnight, right? You, well, you, you know, it's go. funny you just said that because it's, in a way, it's the opposite of the gym, right? The problem with yeah. gym and getting in shape and eating healthy is somebody who normally goes and works out and now has been eating terrible the last two weeks because I have a book launch. <laughs> <laughs> I have a belly all of a sudden. You know, the problem is working out is not automatic. The beauty right. of money is you can automate everything. It's actually the only way to succeed financially is to have automation in it. Yeah. And the more, yeah, I agree. You know, so many people need to just make things as automatic as they can, which I think, you know, the premise of uh, your other book, The Automatic Millionaire. Yeah. Um, and so along that vein, a lot of millennials uh, and their adoption of technology will use things like Uber ride sharing services and ordering in food because it's convenient. Like when you remove the friction from transactions, they can tend to spend more. And I, I guess this is what could be the modern day latte factor for a lot of people is how these things like creep up all these, ex these expenses that may not really be that important. You could live without them, but they just kind of happen if you're not 
thinking about it. Well, so they happen a lot. It's, it's the, the, what's happened is that corporate, I always say corporate America, but just corporations in general have figured out how to automatically attack themselves to our paychecks, right? So everything today is about a subscription fee mm-hmm. because companies want residualized income. And so it started with the gyms, ironically. The gyms were the first companies to create to, to basically automatically debit your checking account. And the reason was people would go to a gym in January, stop going in February, and want to stop paying in March. And so what the gyms figured out was, well, if we can attach ourselves to your credit card or your checking account, you'll be too lazy to shut it off, which, which is true. And, <laughs> and now everybody does this, and everything's a free trial. So now everything's about, you know, click on this banner. Here's this amazing thing. Just try it out for free. And then if you don't like it, you can cancel. And then we don't cancel it. So there's a, there are apps that can help you fix this drain on your paycheck. Um, another app I company invested in is a company called Clarity Money, which we sold to Goldman Sachs. Um, you should, and I think you can use this. In, actually, I don't know if you can use this in Canada. There must be a Canadian version of this. But Clarity Money is an app like a mint.com, but it's better. You download the app, it tracks where your money's going, you link it to your credit cards, you link it to your checking. And the feature that was in Clarity Money that got me to invest in it, that got me all excited, that got me to go run down to Soho to meet with Adam Dell, who's Michael Dell's brother, and it's, hey, dude, you got to let me put a check into this company because this is the coolest thing ever, is they came up with a feature where you put in your credit cards and you put in your checking and it would show you instantly what you were paying for monthly, all your subscription fees. And it would summarize them. And then it would have an unsubscribe button. And I was like, oh my God, this is, I call this the double latte factor. Because the fastest way to cut your overhead is to go through your expenses and go, what am I signing up? What have I signed up for that I'm paying for monthly that I really don't need anymore? Because with a couple clicks of unsubscribing, you unsubscribe to one or two or three or four things. The next thing you know, you've saved $100, $150, $200. And that's $2,400 for the year. And that's $24,000 for the decade. And that's money that if you just clicked another button and put it into an investment account, now you've turned around and built a wealth-making machine instead of a wealth-depletion machine. So have you connected Clarity and Acorns together? They are connected together. There you go. And that's also, you know, what they're also connected to, and I think it's one of the primary reasons that Goldman Sachs bought the company, is the first thing you can do is save them to an emergency account. So, you know, Goldman Sachs now has this bank called Marcus and I can right, yeah. right behind me is Goldman Sachs. That's Goldman Sachs building. Uh, their money market at this very moment is paying like 2.35% and you can use the app and then click right there and put money into the emergency account. And then you can click another button and put money into Acorns. So what's happening is these apps are making everything super seamless, simple and easy inside your phone. And pretty soon what's going to happen, because you talked about AI, is these apps are going to start helping with predictive behavior. So they're going to say, you know, David, you spent a lot of money on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And we know that normally on Friday, you like to go to this bar around the corner called, you know, Jimmy's. And last, you usually have three drinks at Jimmy's. And you know what? Today, today, we think you should only have two. (laughs) <laughs> I'm deleting that app on my phone. <laughs> and, and, but the funny thing, like that's really going to happen. And yeah. then, you know, people go, where's this all really going? It's all going to just go inside of Amazon. <laughs> right? Because at the end of the day, 
you're going to go into Amazon one day and every that Amazon Prime, I think you're going to have an Amazon Prime account that is completely full service with financial planning and everything's going to be tied to Amazon and then Amazon's going to have their own cryptocurrency and then you never need to leave Amazon. You can bank inside Amazon. You can have your financial service company inside Amazon. You can shop inside Amazon. And, you know, eventually there'll probably be a way to live inside an Amazon city. <laughs> well, I think uh, Bezos said uh, famously, your margin is my opportunity to other business owners. Uh, David, I, we're out of time because I know you got to run. Um, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, now, every guest on the podcast gets a commercial. So what do you want to tell people? Uh, before we sign off. Oh, well, I appreciate that. What I want to do is um, recommend and highly t- t- you know, suggest and beg and borrow that you come over to my website, The Latte Factor, uh, thelattefactor.com. And if they come over soon and they buy a copy of the book, which I think is costs right now like $14 on Amazon, um, and then there's a whole thing on our website, they send us the receipt, we have $500 worth of downloadable bonuses and this is only going to be open for, I don't know when you're going to air, when are you going to air this podcast? I'll probably publish it tonight or tomorrow. Right, so, cause this is only going to be open actually like this special bonus for about another 10 days. Okay. So, you know, you hear this soon, come on over to the lattefactor.com. You'll get free access to a, that actually the create a live course. It's 19 videos. It costs $149. It'll be free. Uh, you'll have access to another video program I created from FinCon. And you'll get access to our insider Facebook group. So we have 2,050 people in a private Facebook group that are, and if you, again, it's all on the lattefactor.com. I'm actually going to continue to be doing live Facebook chats and coaching people that are in this community through the entire month of May and probably into June. I'm basically bringing my team with me on this tour and What's happening inside this, this Facebook page um, is that it's really becoming an amazing community of people that are cheering each other on. And they're cheering each other on financially, but they're also cheering each other on for life. So right. it's super cool. Um, and if you do air this tomorrow um, and you happen to be in New York, I'm doing a special event at the Oculus because where the book starts is in the Oculus and I'm right. giving away $10,000 worth of free books to the first 500 people at noon in the Oculus. So. Well, there you go. And the Oculus has a very special meaning in terms of the book as well. And if you want to find out, you're going to have to buy the book. Um, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, really want to thank you to my faithful listeners. Uh, you can visit his website for more information on the book, www.thelattefactor.com. And don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes for this humble podcast, Mostly Money. That is it for this week. Welcome to the Mostly Money Podcast with your host, Preet Banerjee.